When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. This is what we call a three technique. This is what we call a three technique. On the ride with Royce. Look at the emotion of Shalane Flanagan as she comes to the line, breaks the tape. The joy evident as she has won her first world marathon major. Shalane Flanagan, she's from Marblehead, Mass, right, uh, right next to uh, where the uh, you know the Boston Marathon is held, became the first American woman in 40 years to win the New York City Marathon. Uh, she had an injury-plagued year this year that caused her to miss the Boston Marathon, uh, but she uh, came in and uh, one minute faster than three-time defending champion Mary Katani of Kenya who was bidding to join Greta Waits of Norway as the second four-time winner of the uh, championship in New York. Uh, Flanagan, 36 years old, and uh, it is a phenomenal thing uh, in these uh, recent years, recent decades, actually, when a Yank uh, wins one of the major marathons, either a man or a woman. Uh, a Kenyan, uh, Jeffrey Cam Warrior, uh, K-A-M, W-O-R-O-R won the men's race. Uh, 226-53 she won. And uh, Flanagan's victory came on the heels of a tragic week in lower Manhattan just five days after the bike path terror attack. Uh, It's been a tough week for New Yorkers and a tough week for our nation. I thought, what a better gift than to make Americans smile today. Well, uh, thank you, Lane, although we didn't get to smile too long, did we? Keith fires it across, it's a, oh, what a stop there by Lindgren. He was right there to preserve the shutout. Ten seconds to go. My goodness, he is on fire tonight. Puck up along the boards. Keith gets it back to the line. Seabrook passes, one-timer off the outside of the net. And time runs out, and Charlie Lindgren take a bow as he picks up his first National Hockey League shutout. And Montreal pick up the 2-0 win in Chicago. Charlie Lindgren, Lakeville North, and then the uh, Sioux Falls Stampede uh, goaltender. And he made a very good decision. He decided (laughs) to go to college where they develop players. He went to uh, St. Cloud State, the number one hockey team. To play for your Huskies. Yeah, to play for my Huskies. You can't help yourself, can uh, St. Cloud State, he played up there. He was great in uh, 2014-15. 2015-16 was one of the ten finalists 
for the uh, Hobie Baker. Montreal signed him at the end of that year, and he actually got in one game that year, two games last year. But uh, last night he got it. They they called him up. They've been playing terrible, the Canadians. They called him up uh, to play last night's game. And 38 saves, shuts out the Blackhawks in Chicago. Uh, 38 saves. And by the way, uh, speaking of the number one hockey program in the state of Minnesota, (laughs) collegiately, St. Cloud State is number one in the uh, USA Today, USA Hockey Magazine poll. Uh, They were two number, they were two last week, but Denver got swept by Western Michigan. Number two, the number four or five Hockey program in the state of Minnesota. The Minnesota Gophers are number two uh, ranked after the sweep of Michigan State. But uh, St. Cloud is uh, number one. Where are my Mavs? My Mavs have been hot this uh, year, baby. Let's see. Where are the Mavs? Where are the Mavs? I thought they were in the top ten. Uh, number 11. That, okay, uh, right outside. You know, Minnesota State, number 11. You know That's what we're good. doing? UMD, we're lying in the weeds. UMD, number 14. So, uh uh, it's a uh, yeah. The the West is apparently the uh, powerhouse. Uh, North Dakota fourth, Harvard fifth. Anyway, you know, go Huskies, go Charlie Lindgren, if go only, Huskies. If only there was a tournament to be held to kind yes, of showcase all of those would, Minnesota you know, you hockey get teams. All the teams. You know, I had this idea. You did get. You get the two teams from the NCHC, okay. UND and Saint Cloud. Okay. You get the team from the Big Ten, the Gophers. Sure, and then. You know, let's face it, the WCHA, Mankato, and Bemidji, that league's not as good, you know. Sure. So whoever finishes higher the previous year, they're the fourth team. I like that. And you know what we do? We're well, calling it the Herbie. What a brilliant idea. And we got our own bean pot. I think it'll work. I let's think try if it. If only somebody had come up with that uh, was be a, a couple of years idea. ago. Great idea. Second and ten. Snap to Mayfield. This is so Takes great. a handoff. Back to pass. He's going to take a deep shot down the near sideline. Marquise Brown. He's got it. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. It's a touchdown. Oh, mama. There's the snap. Handoff Sermon. Veers left. He's got the first down, and he breaks away to the 40, 35. Cuts far sideline. 30, 25, 20, 15, to the 10, to the 5. Into the end zone. The minister. Breach. Unhitch the wagon and put the ponies in the bar. <laughs> and boom he's, goes the dynamite. He's stealing uh, Mike, uh, what's your book, Mike Lang stuff from oh, Pittsburgh, yeah. right? Yeah. But he I sounds want, young, too. I hope the young man yeah. had some lozenges because if he had to scream like that ever after every Oklahoma touchdown, the Bedlam game <laughs> has never been so aptly named as it was on Saturday, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma in Stillwater at Oklahoma State, 62-52. <laughs> in the first half, there were 76 points and 847 yards. Half, yeah. uh, 847 yards at halftime. Baker Mayfield is probably going to win the Heisman because of this game, and it shouldn't count because <laughs> they don't play any defense. 598 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, but Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback. Oh, he is. He's just and his, fine. his counterpart from Saturday, um, Rudolph. Rudolph. Yeah, he, he, he might be a Heisman candidate, too. He, threw, he only threw for like 440 or oh. something like that. <laughs> What's wrong with him? Let's see. I put it. I printed it out here. Okay. Where is it? Uh, it's right there. First downs. Oh, we don't even need first downs. No. Total yards. Here Oklahoma. School record. For Oklahoma. <laughs> 
that have beaten teams 90 to nothing. Including here. No, they never beat us 90 to nothing. They oh. beat us 63 to nothing in Stillwater in 1986. Right, because we reminded Jerry uh, yeah, of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pete, well, we reminded him mostly of 84 to 13. But, True. Uh, uh, total yards, school record, 785 yards. Oh Oklahoma State loses. They had 661 yards. Baker Mayfield, here's what's amazing. 598 yards on 24 completions. What is that? That's, that's 20, video games is what that that's is. 480 plus. That's damn near 30 yards of throw, isn't it? 30 yards of completion. Uh, uh, you know, they also just for kicks rush for 187 yards and they had 81 yards and penalties. The big difference in the game was, uh, Oklahoma state had three bad turnovers, I guess. So any, the Bedlam game, by the way, Boone Pickens, who has had more to do with the revival of Oklahoma state athletics than anybody, including giving them 300 million for the stadium, sent out a, uh, a uh, note of endorsement for Mike Gundy. Uh oh. Mm. Uh, and Boone and he have kind of feuded uh, through the years, but uh, uh, he's, he's he's he thought it was the best football game he ever saw. Maybe maybe they'll part ways with Gundy after this year and bring Les Miles back. Oh, it'd be great. Yeah, bring Les. You know, Miles. Les did pretty well there. Uh, yes, Gundy yeah. took over for him, but well. You know, I've always hated Gundy ever since that press conference. So uh, he's a man. Sixty-two, fifty-two. Lincoln Riley uh, is their offensive coordinator, coach. But how about Oklahoma State? Boone Pickens, eight million bucks a year to Bob Stoops. <laughs> wow! <laughs> pop up. That's, yes, that'd be was. like that'd be like Rick Pitino going to Louisville, right? Sure, After to get Kentucky. all the Kentucky fans yeah, started. Or Richard Pitino going to Wisconsin. Oh, that, well, that could happen. <laughs> Is that what your sources are telling yeah, you? I'm I'm hearing that. Well, actually, Iowa. I'm hearing Fran McCaffrey might leave, and and, and uh, Richard Patino might. He's looking at Iowa. All right, we'll be back. Talking purple right now on the ride with Royce. Ben Gessling covers the Vikings here with Ben Gessling. Ben Gessling joining us now. It's Viking Star Tribune beat writer Ben Gessling. Ben, uh, tensions are rising in the National Football League after yesterday. Man, alive. I can't remember the last time we had three good fights going on. Yeah, it, it has uh, it's certainly escalated on a lot of levels, whether it's been uh, on the field stuff, uh, off the field. It, it's uh, we, We've got plenty of drama to pick from right now, depending on uh, what source you want to pick from. So it's, uh, um, you know, for, for a league that uh, has been accused of, of uh, not being able to hold people's attention like it used to be able to do it, I, I guess that's uh, one way to, to get at it. Well, that's my new theory. I decided I actually wrote a little about this Sunday when we go when we go through all of these reasons why people aren't watching. Uh, we never bring up the product. We never bring up the fact that the officials are doing everything in their power to screw up every game that's played, and uh, that we're also seeing uh, third team quarterbacks. Well, I mean, the quarterbacks to me are the, are the big part of it. When you're missing the number of stars that you're missing, and there just aren't that many good quarterbacks to begin with, it, it certainly becomes noticeable after a while. And, you know, it's, the offenses certainly are, are more fun to watch in college, and that probably has led to quarterbacks to get to the NFL and don't really know how to deal with defenses you face in the NFL as much. But people want to see stars, they want to see points, and when you have bad quarterback play and you have good quarterbacks who are out, 
uh, both of those things hurt. So, I mean, certainly I think that's, in my mind, the, the big reason why we've seen the, the uh, uh, not apathy, but you know, less enthusiasm probably than we've seen in the past. Who would have guessed when they looked at the post-buy schedule here with the uh, four road games out of five, that uh, you'd look and say, boy, that game at Washington uh, uh, Sunday is going to be tougher than the game in Atlanta in about three weeks. Uh, Atlanta just, uh, uh, they have not recovered from blowing a Super Bowl, that's for sure. No, they haven't. And it was interesting because I, I heard a lot of that from them in the offseason. And you have to say it, I guess, in the yes. sense of, you know, oh, we're over it. It's not gonna, we're not going to have a hangover. Like, how can you not? I mean, yes. when, when you have... So many teams that even losing a Super Bowl, I mean, you know, people can can call it a myth, but the history shows that if you lose a Super Bowl, becoming a team that is just as formidable the next year is really hard to do, and, and you lose them like that, that I would think would compound it. So, I mean, they can say that, and I, you know, I remember talking to a couple of people that I know from the Falcons in the off season, and. They said, oh, yeah, we're not worried about a rover. It's like, okay, you can say that, but uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to necessarily believe it because it's hard to just shake something like that. Well, off. to me, what you do is you start contemplating all the work you put in to get there. You know, that you started in February, basically, and you put in all this labor and put together this uh, high-powered offense and – and did all won all these games and uh, had the Super Bowl. I mean, that's to me. It's it's like ten months of grueling. Uh, uh, you know, although they don't hit like they used to, but it's still. You know, you're still working ten months to get there, and then this comes, and then you lose that game. I think that's a little hard to recover from. Yeah, I mean, that's always the thing. I kind of think it, when a team loses the playoff game too, it's like it just takes so long, and you have to have so many things go right, like you say. So much work to even get to that point. So, I mean, those opportunities, and you know, players say it all the time, and you kind of let it gloss over when they say it. But then something like that shows that it's true that those opportunities don't come around that often, and you're not assured of getting another one. And I still think that's a team that has the the, the wherewithal to write the ship. But when you're losing games like they're losing, it, it's going and the NFC South is as formidable as it's become with New Orleans and, and Carolina. It's you're not going to have a lot of opportunities to fix it, and they're going to have to do something pretty quickly. But, yeah, that, that Redskins game Sunday is uh, is looking a lot more pivotal than uh, – I mean, the Vikings have had trouble out there in the past, but that certainly is going to be one that, that sets the tone here in the second you half. You know, they're not bad either. They've, I mean, I've watched them play quite a bit this year. For some reason, I keep stumbling into their games. They've had a – they just lost about three of them in the fourth quarter, and now uh, they they come up and win one. So they they actually can see some hope now. So uh, you know they're pretty good. Yeah, they are. They got a little help from Blair Walsh yesterday, but yes, uh... that helps. <laughs> hey, Seattle. Hey, he won a playoff game for you, and now he's lost one regular season game for you. So uh, you got you got to give him a break there. He won. Yay. Take the good with the bad, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I felt real bad, though. I tweeted out a grade schoolers uh, supporting Blair, Blair Walsh joke and uh, found out uh, this afternoon and found out my friend uh, John Sharkman had tweeted that out 20 hours earlier. So I was oh. I was really uh, late on the, uh, on, the, on the jump there. Hey. Yeah, it's kind uh, of embarrassing. The promising young sports columnist, uh, Sid Hartman, this week – uh, wrote that there is no chance Teddy Bridgewater will play this year, and Sid does not write that stuff out of 
uh, half a cloth there. He writes that out of whole cloth. So you got to think Spielman told him that. So why would they then activate him? I I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't think that that's true. I, I, okay. think they, I think they are going to try to have him play. I mean, you know, I, I if you activate him, you are basically taking away any chance you have for that contract at all, I would think. I mean, yes. you know, the letter of the law says it would toll if it's on if you for the time that you're on the pup list. So that would imply that he's had enough time for it to toll. But that's one of those things that hasn't really been tested in a in a grievance or you know uh, hearing. And I, I would think that if you want to, if your main goal with him is to not have that contract uh, expire after the season, you don't want to put that. Yeah. To- to risk and I, you know everything I've heard is that they're going to activate him. and I, I don't know why you would activate him if you don't have him in there. there there's play. an outside chance Sid must misunderstood what Spielman was telling <laughs> him too, but uh, but it was interesting to see because you know uh, he he ain't what he used to be, but he's still usually when he throws he he can browbeat people into telling them stuff and uh, yeah. he still got that for him. So uh, yeah, I was a little surprised, but you're right. I mean, it's, there's no logical sense. And if you have no intention of playing him to uh, to uh, you know activate him come uh, come Thursday, but uh, of course this is going to get everybody worked up. But that we've talked about it, everybody in town's talked about it. Keenum's playing fine, I think. Yeah, I, I don't really see any reason to rush it with Teddy. I mean, the fact that Keenum has done what he's done is he going to do that forever? Probably not. But you don't need him to go out and score and throw 35 touchdowns a year with that defense playing the way it is. You need somebody who can sustain drives, which he's done, and somebody who's not going to turn the ball over a whole lot, which he has been capable of avoiding turnovers. So, for the most part, and I think you know, at some point you may reach the the uh, you may tap that keg, so to speak. But uh, you know, if you do, then that's why you have Teddy ready to go. I, I think the, the the rush to get Teddy back in some ways is if Keenum gets hurt or is ineffective, then we have another guy that's proven. I mean, Kyle Slaughter certainly, for whatever potential they see, has not had to show it yet. So I think some of it is, is to get have, to have Bridgewater ready in that scenario, but I don't really see a reason to rush him in there when you're 6-2, and two, Keenum has played effectively, and you have shown you have a formula to win games. All you need to do is basically hold serve in the second half of the season and you're going to the playoffs. Do you think the coach has written off uh, Sam Bradford? Um, I think we are getting closer to that. I, I will, be, in fact, be very curious to see on Wednesday if they, in fact, activate Teddy Bridgewater, which I expect they will, what the corresponding roster move is. Because we were chatting about this today. If you put Sam Bradford on injured reserve, he has to be on it for a minimum of eight weeks, which means you could do that and then have him back by week 17 in time for a playoff run if you needed that. That's kind of a uh, convoluted way to do it. But if you're sitting there saying, for whatever reason, his knee's not calming down, we might as well just clear the roster spot and uh, you know put him on the shelf for eight weeks, that, that very well could be the move. I, I think what Zimmer said last week about him, and I thought this was going to be a one-week thing, and when I said it at the time, Ooh. that's really what I thought. And now I don't know. I mean, it was it sounded a lot less optimistic than uh, than it had in the past. 
Ben Gasling's with us, covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune. Okay, we don't know Sam Bradford well around here at all. We had him for a year last year and a half a year this year. We don't know if he's uh, protecting his future here or uh, what, what's going on. I mean, I suppose you can make accusations that he's in no hurry to get back because he doesn't have a contract, but that would be speculative, too. I mean, it's it's hard to tell what's going on with him. And, you know, I suppose you got to give him the benefit of the doubt and says the, me, the knee is not functioning. Yeah, and I, I think that some of it is – I mean, you, you could play a contract thing either way. I mean, he, you could say he, he didn't have a contract, but he also had everything to gain this year from going out and, and having another year like he did last year. I mean, he, if he did that again, he probably is the, the guy going forward here or at the very least he's going to make himself an awful lot of money going forward instead of going into the offseason with questions about his health like he's going to now. So, I mean, that could cut either way. I, I think a lot of it has to do more with – you know, when you've had two ACLs and, and some of the issues that come downhill from that, I, I think are, are more serious than um, they certainly want to let on. I mean, I, I think that, you know, some of the, the fact that he's still going to see specialists every week and we were in the locker room today and it was a big stack of, of mail and, and stuff in front of his locker that made it kind of suggest he hasn't been here for a little bit. So um, the fact that he's still having to go do all that stuff and, and see specialists and try to get treatment tells you that, this isn't a simple fix, and when it's not surgical and, and it's not really tied to any major catastrophic injury this season, at least, it, it certainly makes you think uh, that this does not uh, bode terribly well for the future. Well, I'm hoping to see a Viking insider from you this week ripping the Vikings for letting Adrian Peterson go when he's at the height <laughs> of his skills. He, uh, 37 carries, a record, a career record, as he ripped them up for the Cardinals yesterday. Yes, he, he certainly looks like he has more left than, than people might have thought. And, and I, yeah, I, I mean, 37 carries is, is a lot to get to 159 yards. And Adrian of old probably does that in, in 23 or 24. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, it's, it certainly has been a breath of fresh air for him going there. And, uh, the Saints and Vikings both seem to be doing just fine without him. I mean, you know, Adrian, I think, still has some left in the tank, but it just, it, it has to be in the right system where a team is going to say, yep, we're going to give you the carries in, in the quantity that you want them and in the fashion that you want them. And the Vikings obviously weren't in a position to do that anymore, and, and they moved on, and I, I don't think they regretted a whole lot. But, yeah, I mean, it, it has been fun to watch the Adrian of old in, in some sense, to, to watch him kind of pop off some of those runs every once in a while. You still say the jump cut he makes every once in a while, nobody else at age 22 or 32 can quite match that. Thank you, sir. All uh, right, thanks, Pat. Ben Gessling, talk to him next Monday after the Vikings go to Washington, D.C. to play the Redskins. We shall return with a John Height Sports update. John Height with a sports update, including some very sad news. Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by Virgin Mobile. Switching your phone service is simple with Virgin Mobile. Switch online in just minutes and get unlimited talk, text, and data, plus great deals on iPhone. Shop now at virginmobileusa.com. That's sad news that Patrick talking about Rick Stelmazic, a Twins coach for 32 seasons under five different managers, has died at the age of 69. Uh, Stelmazic had been suffering, of course, from cancer. 
Twins releasing a statement this afternoon expressing their sadness at the longtime coach's passing. He coached from 1981 to 2012. Kenny, uh, Kelly, and Stelly together in the Florida Instructional League is where they first got together and uh, work in the field down there in Clearwater. They'd go out and drag the field at 7 o'clock in the morning <laughs> when it was 100 degrees. And uh, and uh, there's some great stories about that. But you know what Kelly and Stelly had in common? No. They each hit one major league home run. Wow. <laughs> I can't remember who Stella Walker. We're going to have Walker on. Uh, he'll he'll remember who Stella hit his home run off. Uh, Kelly hit his off Vern uh, Rule. I can't remember who Stella uh, hit his off, though. Uh, Kelly, uh, Stella hung around a little more, but he was back when the backup catcher didn't play. Yeah. yeah. He, I think he only had 60 games in three years, but a uh, great guy. Man, he was fun. My favorite Stelly story that you've told is when Puck screamed at him before the home Stelly! run in game six. This bleeper's <laughs> over. <laughs> this bleeper bleeping. Stelly's down there in the crowd screaming. Stelly's down there in the in the bullpen warming somebody up. And Kirby and and him, both, oh. south, both south sides of Chicago. Little different neighborhoods. Sure, sure. But, uh, <laughs> same, and uh, they were the best of friends. And uh, he's screaming at him, Stelly! This bleeper is over! And then, uh, yeah, and then he hit the home run off. God, I love that man. story. The uh, Twins hiring a bench coach uh, let's, today. Let's uh, say Stelly took uh, Puck to his favorite bar a couple of times. Oh. And... Uh, Let's just say he was the Rosa Parks of that bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would in love to have been there. Oh, my God. Outside of Chicago. And he'd, still, and he'd come out of the bucket, come out of the bar and say, God, those are nice guys. And Shelly said, yeah, yeah. They, 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 Real nice, Kurt. Very sensitive fellas. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. I'd love to have heard some of those conversations. Oh, was that wow. you that just tweeted? He was the longest uniformed? No, I, no I didn't tweet that. But, yeah, he is the longest uniformed twin wow. in history. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, twins named Derek Shelton their bench coach today. Uh, he spent time as hitting coach with the Indians and Tampa Bay Rays. Last year, he was called a control coach for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, twins also uh, losing Nick Turley to the Pittsburgh Pirates on waivers today, and they outrighted Chris Jimenez and Ryan O'Rourke as they do some more roster and cleanup. Uh, Vikings return from their bye week next Sunday with a game against the Redskins in Washington. They have until Wednesday to activate Teddy Bridgewater. Looks like that'll probably happen. Multiple league sources saying Bridgewater will likely be added to the active roster on Wednesday. Take take your volume now, to uh, Viking fans. Don't get too teddied up here. They'll all want him to start immediately. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. immediately. yeah, they miss those ducks. Jo- <laughs> <laughs> Just can't help yourself, can you? On the 40-yarder, oh, here she comes, here she comes, she'll be here in a minute, don't worry about it. You know, speaking of that, I was very disappointed, I believe it was ESPN that I was watching, they were showing failed Marys, you know, the Hail Mary pack, in honor of uh, Philip Rivers the other day. Yeah. And they neglected to show the greatest. No, even better. The the greatest fail Mary in the The history of football was Christian Ponder. At Dallas, right? Winding up and firing a pass that landed at the 20-yard line. Didn't even make it to the end zone. Teddy got one and got to about the 15. (laughs) Josh Gordon says he used drugs or alcohol before every NFL game he ever played in. This is good for him coming back now. This uh, the legal like this. Well, he says he's clean now, though. Okay. So he, he just wanted to make this point how bad he was. 
He said he told GQ magazine he would be taking some substance, making it a ritual before every game. So they'd stay at the team hotel, and then players get to go back home to get what they need. Mm-hmm. So I'd leave, <laughs> I'd leave the hotel early morning, go home, eat breakfast, uh, do my little ritual, whatever it may be, some weed, some alcohol, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. go to the game. Then I'd definitely be partying after every game, win or lose, every game. Yeah, and he was pretty dang good. So that's it. Mm-hmm. So, if you want so, a good football team, have them smoke more dope. Right. Yep. So was right this like, was was he like Pedro Serrano at, at his, in his <laughs> locker room with the chicken? Yeah. Is that what it was? It was his okay. ritual. It was his yeah. ritual, yeah. yeah. Uh, he says he's different now because he went to a lengthy rehab for himself and he wasn't forced to do it uh, for someone else. So mm-hmm. he says he's, he says he's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, General Manager Brian Cashman said the Yankees uh, did part ways with Joe Girardi because he felt the manager's, quote, connectivity with the clubhouse was not good enough. No, he had bad connectivity. But, Vlad, connectivity. <laughs> Don't let Fleck hear that one. Oh, they have that in the repertoire. <laughs> we'll, we'll throw connectivity in there for, with they all the other gonna, crap. Have they hired anybody no, yet? they have not no. named a manager. That's weird. I think PJ and... Cashman are going to start trading, whereas now we're going to see Cashman start using things like cultural sustainability mm-hmm. yeah, and whatnot. That'd be, good. That'd, that'd be good for baseball. All right, John, uh, Greg Wong, uh, cover the Twins, a uh, buddy of mine. We worked together at St. Paul forever and uh, and uh, covered covered the Twins during the uh, the glory years and got became a good friend of Rick Stelmazic, who uh, died today at age 69. We'll talk to the Wonger when we get back. Greg Wong, Long of the St. Paul Pioneer Press, got to cover the Twins during the glory days of the mid-'80s and got to be a good friend of Rick Stelmazic. Uh I don't think, uh, Wagner, in my many years, that any guy in uniform was as popular as Stelly was with everybody. Uh, no question. He had, he had a one-liner for everybody. <laughs> everybody liked him. He gave everybody grief. And uh, uh, he was... Uh, he was my drinking partner on the road. <laughs> that was a good too. Just a couple of, uh, but it was always fun around Stelly. With the bad teams or the good teams, he didn't change that much, did he? No, he didn't. You know, he didn't. He, you know, he approached uh, every game, every player like they were the same, no matter what the situation was. And uh, he probably gave more grief to the players and, and you know the rest of the coaching staff combined. And they all took it in good spirit because. You know, they, they knew that Stelly, when a push came to shove, that he really cared about him. Well, it is amazing. I mean, uh, the relationship with Kelly, because, uh, you know, it's certainly a more outgoing personality. And they'd been equals there at the in the Twins organization as, you know, young guys d- dragging the field and at Florida Instructional League together. And, uh, and actually, uh, Rick got, uh, what, he was managing in the minor leagues before TK was, I believe, and right, made it yeah, to the staff. Right, yeah, he over in uh, the Class A team over in uh, wherever it was in Wisconsin yeah, and, for a while. And, uh, uh, yeah, he, got the uh, coaching job and uh, became uh, TK's right hand man, and it it was quite an odd couple, that's for sure. Because uh, uh, Stelly handled the uh, the agitation, I think, and TK handled the discipline. So yeah, TK would slip in a one liner oh, yeah. now and then, but you know Stelly was full of one liners. So he, I, I heard you talking about uh, that bar in South Chicago where he took puck a couple times. Yes. Here's the the, the base. The bar was a place called Sully's, mm-hmm. and Sully was an old minor league ball player and pretty much a redneck. 
And to get into his bar, <laughs> you had to put your face in the window in the door, and he would buzz you in if you were the right color. Uh-huh. It was that bad, right? Yeah, so Stelly told uh, Sully that uh, he was bringing Puck over, and Puck was cool because Puck was a major leaguer and a big timer. Mm-hmm. So the one time, the first time I went there with Stelly, he said, you go up the door, put your face in the window, it'll buzz you in. I put my face in the window. I don't get buzzed in. <laughs> and Stelly's standing behind me laughing his butt off. Chinese guy don't get buzzed in. Huh? No, but once I got inside and, and Stelly told uh, Sully that I was a, a ball writer, then I was okay. But Puck thought these were the greatest guys in the world, right? Oh, yeah, the 11. Yeah, they were, you know, they were all South Chicago uh, guys that formerly worked in the steel mills before they shut down, blue-collar guys, and... and uh, they were all over Puck, yeah. Puck was, uh, and it is funny how close those two guys were, uh, Puck and, uh, you know, Stelly from as far apart as you could possibly be in South Chicago. But yeah. they, they they treated that like it was a real bond, didn't they? Yeah, they sure did. And, uh, you know, there was uh, nobody nobody that Puck gave more grief to on this coaching staff than Stelly, you know, and vice versa. And, uh, yeah, they had quite a... Uh, Quite a relationship. It was, uh, and uh, of course, the the great thing about that whole collection was uh, eighty seven guys, especially, was the b- abuse they gave each other, and it was uh, Puck invited it, Stelly invited it, and uh, you know that was that was part of the fun of uh, being on that team, in addition to winning a World Series. Yeah, you know, I what I tell people, what I remember about those guys is the the best players on the team, the best players were the best guys. And when you have a situation like that on a team, you got a chance to win. Because when the best player, you know, you get some teams where the best players are the biggest jerks. But on that team, the best players, Puck, Herbeck, Gaetti, Viola, there's maybe one exception. I'm not going to mention his name. <laughs> you know who that is. But, but the best players were the, were the best guys, and that just set the whole tone for the whole club. Yeah, it did. And uh, Stelly. Uh... Was uh, who did he hit his home run off? I was trying to remember. Vern Rule was Katike. Stelly only hit one. Uh, yeah. Oh. Um, oh. I can't remember who he hit his one off. I know. Yeah, I, I know. I, I've heard that too, and I can't remember who it is. <laughs> but um, let me tell you, my this is one of my all-time favorite Stelly stories. So it's a late '80s, a couple of years after they won it in '87. The coaches are going up to see Andy McPhail to talk about their contract for the next year. Yes. They worked on one-year contracts. So uh, Tony O, Suchi, Terwilliger, Rennick, they all go up first, and Stelly's the last guy. Stelly walks into Andy's office, and Andy says, Stelly, before you say a word, here's the deal. I can only pay you so much. Stelly says, Andy, Andy, because all the other guys are begging for a raise. Well, they wanted another five grand. Yeah, or Stelly goes there and says, Andy, Andy, I'm only a bleeping coach. Where do I sign? <laughs> yeah, and Andy McPhail tells that story to this day. If you bring Stelly's name up, he still tells that story. That's how you tell. Uh, that's how you stay for 32 years. Be good at what you do and uh, don't don't make demands, which that's is right. what he sought. Uh, so uh, it is funny, TK, uh, we all uh, got to know down in spring training, Camp Stelly, that uh, yep. TK just trusted him when he he'd go on the bus and go to wherever they were going in spring training and Stelly would as much fun as they had back there he would make sure everybody got their work done and right. uh, and it was Camp Stelly that Camp became Stelly, famous yep. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, so uh, I think we all, uh, I don't know if you got to see him again after the uh, reunion, but uh, when you saw him at the reunion, uh, even though he was in good spirits and talking to everybody, we kind of, we kind of knew that uh, we might never see him again. Yeah, well, pancreatics usually uh, the, the death knell. And, but, you know, I, I'd call him every every couple, three weeks, see how he's doing. And uh, Kathy, his wife, usually would answer the phone. And, you know, she'd give me the latest update because anytime I talked to him, he was so upbeat, you know, and uh, he, he wasn't uh, depressed, um, you know, the, the chemo and everything wore him out and tired him out, but he had to take a lot of naps, but um, he was always upbeat, and we'd be telling stories about the old days, and, and uh, I was hoping to get down there to see him uh, this fall and never did, and Obviously, it's one of those things, uh, after the fact, you always regret not doing something like that. We wanted to give him the good guy award a few years ago, but he didn't want to. He was still a little, uh, I wouldn't say upset, but not real happy that he that they uh, dropped him as a coach. And uh, he didn't want it, and now they were, we're going to give him the good guy this time at the Twins Fest. But uh, we were hoping he would make that. But, I know. Uh, I, I kind of lobbied for it the last couple of years, and... Uh, uh, once it seemed to kind of soften about uh, coming back, but uh, yeah, he, uh, he, you know, they, Dustin Morris from the Twins and whomever else uh, contacted Stelly to let him know he was getting it, and Kathy told me today how much she appreciated it, and uh, just would have been nice if he could have been there to accept it because uh, I'm sure he would have regaled the audience with a couple of good stories. Well, he could have won it for 25 years in a row. Yeah, there absolutely, <laughs> he was the greatest. Yeah, hey, absolutely. boys, I found the information. August 20th, 1974, Stelly hit his only home run off Don Sutton. No, that's right. He hit it off a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, Don Sutton. All right, Wonger. Well, uh, it's uh, it's a sad deal, but yeah. uh, hey, he, uh, he had a good, he was, he enjoyed life, I'll tell you that. Yeah, we had a good time. Uh, Stelly liked his jingle bells, <laughs> which was uh, his uh, description of J&B Scott. <laughs> Give me a jingle bell. Give me a jingle bell. He drank plenty of them. Yeah, well, just enough to get you through a day. All right. right. Okay, Patrick. Thanks, Wonger. Yeah. The great Greg Wong. uh, And uh, long since retired, there's a man who took care of his money right then. Uh, Unlike the rest of us. Unlike the rest of us. (laughs) We'll be back. Now, on the ride with Roycey, let's hear the boys' daily complaints. Rather than a daily complaint, before I get to your daily complaint, the issue has been settled. Last night, Ricky Rubio, two for seven, one for five on free throws, a minus 23 for Utah. Jeff Teague, seven for 15, four out of five on threes, four out of five on free throws, a plus 17. It's over. The argument's over. We had a 40-point difference there in uh, plus minus. See, idiots, that's why it's so stupid to compare one game with each other like you're trying to do. I guess that's my daily complaint. There we go. And Trying to compare Ricky and Teague based on one one good game for either one of them. And my daily complaint, actually, to piggyback off okay. of that, is that the Ricky Rubio-Jeff Teague comparisons will not cease. No, it they will won't. continue <laughs> for the duration of the season, and that's the most annoying part about it. I had someone say to me today how much fun they're having watching Ricky get all these points. I said, well, the other guy was pretty good last night. <laughs> And then I looked up Ricky, and he was a minus 23. So, you know, anyway, they will not cease. What do you got there, Chris? 
Cam Newton. He's just yeah. growing into that role, and that's what you love to see. You know, yeah, we just lost a great player, but nevertheless, you know, the 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 Titanic still has to go. <laughs> I think he's having fun. No, I I I would love to be on your side of it, but I don't think. Well, I, I think he really he's trying he to use an, an analogy, but he just got the wrong boat. He got he, he picked got the, the wrong boat. Yeah. Now they, now PJ Flex should start using the Titanic oh, as an example. Right? Yes, yeah, yes. And, and, and he you would use, love that, wouldn't you? He can you? use the Queen Mary, <laughs> you know, and uh, PJ can use the uh, the uh, maybe Titanic. PJ's had us fooled, and he is referencing the Titanic when he's rowing the boat this whole time. Please, once again, Twin Cities Media, join me in the fight against crap. <laughs> PJ Flex, everything that comes out of his body. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.